greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. plans during that period when you were as over as you were working with Randy Savage working with Warrior all the people you work with to have you program with, with Hogan and work the top of the card or was that never they tried that we're at the top of the fucking card fuck you uh, I'm sorry I was I like the top of the card bro I don't mean like that what a piece of shit I don't mean like that I don't mean like that you Bill Watts buddy uh I was working the main events. Uh, they tried to put me with Hogan, but you fans screwed me on that because he started chanting DDT, DDT after I dropped him. And Vince looked at me and he goes, man, that ain't going to fly. What do you mean it's not going to fly? Because well, they're cheering for you. So they're just happy that, you know, whatever. And so we tried it in two towns. We sold out those cities, turned people away. And I said, there. Can't beat that. Not going to happen. Why? Because they're chanting for you. Does it fucking matter who they're chanting for? The seats are sold out. (laughs) That's going to screw with our marketing. (laughs) Yeah. So that was the end of that. So my job became getting the next bad guy ready for Hogan. So if Hogan was in Los Angeles, I would be in San Francisco. And getting beat by the the next card was going to be Hogan versus this guy, you know. They just beat me. But uh, it was a, it was a lucrative job. I hated the fact that I was never given the belt, but that was a lot of my fault because of my addictions um i i want to say this i never meant to cheat the fans out of a good match uh even when i was high or hung or hung over uh, in those instances I would wind up going out there and giving you twice the time because I was so angry with myself that I'd allowed myself to be in not proper 
at the time. Um, I often wonder how well it would have went if it had not had problems. Sometimes when you have problems, you learn a lot. And um, I certainly learned that alcohol and drugs aren't good for you and that it can hurt your career and it can hurt your family. The last one I care about. Um, in the last five years, I've gotten myself back in the right world um, with the help of Diamond Dallas Page and, uh, and others. I've been clean now for five years. And, um, yeah. Now that's one that I didn't think would ever happen because I was that hooked. And um, if you don't have the movie or if you haven't seen the movie, do yourself a favor and get it, if not for you, for a friend of yours. And the one thing that, that, I, that sticks out for me with the thing with Dallas is, is, is this guy nuts to invite two drug addicts, alcoholics, into your home and not expect chaos and problems and deaths or whatever? But he did it because he loved us. It took a lot of strength. And my hope with that movie, if you do see it, is that you'll walk out of there and say, you know what? I could do something to help somebody that I know. Because I guarantee each and every one of us knows somebody that's got a problem and that we probably avoid their phone calls. And when we see them coming down the street, it's like, oh my God, here they come. Jesus Christ, I gotta get across the street, get away. You know, maybe instead of going around them, we should meet them head on, man, and, and try to show them some love. Because that's the only thing that conquers addiction is love. Your love. So think about it, man. Think about it. Because that person that you're turning and walk away from, man, might be a brother, might be your mother. It might be somebody that's just a casual friend. But if you don't hear me say the word fuck, you better shut that door. Okay, okay never mind. I think they're, they're asking us to... Yeah, I didn't mean to fucking up. say that. Oh, okay, I take that back. I didn't mean to say it. Anyway... Please walk out of here today and say that's the most important thing that I said because uh, it is the most important thing I had to say. Thank you very much.
Hello and welcome to the Hogan Era Podcast. I am your host, GP John Paz. This is, of course, part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. And on the Hogan Era Podcast, we're talking all about 1984 to 1993, the greatest era in wrestling, the Hogan Era. A lot of people refer to it as the Golden Era of professional wrestling with that era, of course, comes a lot of legendary feuds and a lot of legendary names, a lot of legendary wrestlers, a lot of whom worked the top of the card with the immortal Hulk Hogan. Past few episodes, we talked about One Man Gang, also known as Akeem. We've talked about Killer Khan. We've talked about King Kong Bundy. We've talked about Andre the Giant. We've talked about Kamala. A lot of the monsters of the day and monsters of the era we've also talked about the quote-unquote smaller guys who would be big guys today but that's paul orndorff actually we haven't talked about paul orndorff yet but um, we will very very soon macho man randy savage rowdy roddy piper terry funk a lot of these smaller quote-unquote smaller guys that hogan drew big money with in that era but this is a little bit different. This isn't a quote-unquote smaller guy. This isn't a monster we're talking about today. We're talking about Jake the Snake Roberts. And we're talking about, really, the feud. You know, we are talking about before, before the feud that never was or, or feuds that could have been bigger, should have been bigger. Hard to say that with any feud with Hogan because how could you make more money than he was already making? You know what I mean? It's like, okay, take the title off of him, give it to Piper, and then have him chase, and then he beats Piper at WrestleMania 2, something like that. It's like, well, how much more money could you make? Hogan was the the cash cow. He was the box office. If he lost, you may have heard his drawing power. You you, you don't kind of know. But then you think to yourself, well, maybe it wouldn't have hurt his drawing power, but you're not going to make more money. You can make equal money, but you're not going to make more money. Than he did, and that was such a great formula. Great job by Vince and Pat Patterson and and George Scott and everybody there. But really, it was it was the formula. It was Hogan's going to be dominant for basically the whole run there. But really, eighty four to eighty eight, he's going to be champion for over a thousand days. He's just going to be the man. He's going to be so dominant. So the whole thing is Hogan is the cash cow. Hogan's the money guy feed him guys that are believable feed him guys that can make a ton of money feed him with a lot of great talent and boy did they get talent everywhere he poached talent vince being he poached talent from everywhere he took guys from every possible territory and he took all the top guys and when you take jake the snake roberts basically from a mid-south at this point and, and you brought him in it was like wow they took another tippy top guy from the territories from the territory day that could be plugged into WWF and be an instant star because of how great he was, not only in the ring, but on the mic as well. So he's not a small guy, but he needs about six foot seven. He is a very, very tall man. You might not realize that because he's kind of slender by nature, skinnier guy. It's like DiBiase almost too. You almost think like, well, he's not that big. DiBiase is about six, five. If you meet him in person, you'll be pretty surprised how big he is. Same with Jake, actually taller than you think. He's tall. Jake is taller than Hogan. So if you think about how big Hogan is and Jake's actually taller, obviously he doesn't weigh more, but he's taller. Gives you an indication of how big Jake is. By no means is he a giant because he's skinnier than most of the guys. But by no means is he considered a small man either at six foot seven. It's pretty impressive. So if you just think about the beginning of kind of the storyline and and where they were headed in '86, Jake's the heel. Obviously Hogan is is the big time babyface. 
they're working on these two big matches, these two matches at the Civic Center in Providence, Rhode Island. It's going to be on 12-30-86 and then 129-87 with some follow-up matches after that, but really not many if you think about it. They weren't really in the ring together too many times, and each time they did, pretty much Hogan won every match. You could say they really had like six matches against each other, but then you can also consider they teamed a few times, obviously Survivor Series 89, and then um, if you go on into... A dark match that had WrestleMania Challenge in 87. They teamed together there as well. But if you, and you know, they were in a battle royal together besides the Royal Rumble. So when you just think about it, they were in the ring more than those six times. But the beginning part of the feud, the late 86, early 87, was when they thought they were going to get a big run out of Jake and really get a big time heel feud. But as you heard at the top of the open and have you heard before from Jake, it wasn't meant to be because maybe the fans were into Jake too much. And maybe Jake needed to be a baby face. And if you're not going to completely boo Hogan, you're going to cheer Jake. It's not going to go well for the formula and it's not going to work well for obviously the matches, but it's not going to work well for Hogan either. He's got to be the pure baby face. I know nowadays with Cena getting booed by half the people, that's not really great business. And and I know people think Cena's this gigantic star. He wasn't. I mean, give me a break, especially compared to Austin and Hogan, not even close. The guy is, you know, he was part of an ensemble cast that had a lot of other big guys at the time, Batista, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Orton. He wasn't even like the, the main top guy. He could, we can pretend he was all day long, like like we tend to do as fans and WWF does, but he wasn't. Let's let's be serious. So if you're getting half cheers and half boos and you're the top baby face, I don't care what year it is, not good for business, not good for anybody. So if you just go back and think about the um the Jake the Snake documentary that came out in 05, that's kind of where it came to a light and and really was kind of kind of came to the forefront but if you went to a lot of conventions and and autograph signing stuff jake would kind of talk about that but that's really where i feel like it hit the mainstream that they were talking mostly about hulk and jake could have been this big feud when obviously the great dvd about jake the snake that would be made but he was kind of saying oh man I, I could have made a ton more money i could have feuded with hogan but the fans were kind of against Hogan, or, you know, you could say 50-50, they were split, and WBF didn't want to do a split. They wanted him to be the the big heel, meaning Jake, and they wanted Hogan to be the big baby face. And like I said, they don't want to do a 50-50 split. So to begin the storyline, Jake the Snake Roberts invites Hogan on to the Snake Pit, which was a very good um, interview segment back in the day, very much, of course, like Piper's Pit. So you figure you got another great talker, you want to further a lot of storylines why don't we create our own segment with jake and call it the snake pit so really he invites hogan onto the show in an, an interview much uh, later on and, and i think it was in 2016 robert states that the uh, segment sees hogan compare the size of his arms named pythons to jake the snake robert's actual pythons that he used to adorn and sets uh, to serve as you know his mascot his 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 buddy, whatever you want to say, Damien the Snake, is Jake the Snake, and look kind of one in the one in the same, one in the own. And anytime Jake would come out, you know he would have that snake in the bag over his shoulder. Obviously, Jake uses his finishing move, the DDT, play on Snake as well. But in this segment, in this snake pit, he uses the DDT to lay out Hogan, 
and begin this feud. So according to Roberts, the owner and uh, CEO, the chairman of the board, Vince McMahon stood up, he goes by the curtain. Roberts walks in after obviously the plan of Sultan Hogan and he's kind of going to gauge the reaction of the fans and Jake goes to the back with him and he's standing with Vince and he was saying, Hmm, the fans aren't really cheering for Hogan as much as he had planned. And he thought, you know, they would probably be chanting Hogan, Hogan, get up, get up, you know, whatever, after he's been laid up by Jake, but he heard DDT chants. So the fans were supporting Roberts and not Hogan. And because of this reaction, according to Jake, the footage of Jake, the snake, DDTing Hogan, and this planned feud that intended to go nationwide was all canceled and scrapped. So that was kind of the, the genesis of it or kind of the beginning of it. And it's just an interesting thing to say, because it's almost like a missing snake pit or a forgotten snake pit or not talked about snake pit erased from history because Jake got two over. Now, Hogan has a different story, and he's kind of saying that that didn't actually go down like that. That didn't actually happen. It'd be interesting to see if there were some fans in attendance to really kind of gauge that and to see if that really was true or not, because that's Jake's story forever. Even in the interviews that he does today, he talks about how Hogan didn't get the reaction he wanted. They were cheering for Jake, and that's not what Vince McMahon wanted, so they can't have that. So what you got to do is just cancel the damn thing and kind of move on to the next guy, which was Kamala and One Man Gang. And obviously in the middle of that is Andre the Giant and headed towards WrestleMania 3. And right around that time as well is when he's finishing his feud with Orndorff. So he's got all these house show feuds all over the place. He's got TV feuds with Orndorff and, you know, gigantic shows like the big event which draws 60,000 people Saturday night's main event, which draws 30 million people watching it on TV. And it's all leading up to the Andre feuds, but you got all these different feuds in these different markets. He's got Jake on the East coast. He's got uh, one man gang kind of scattered all over the place. He's got Kamala a lot of the time in the Northwest. It's just, it, or really kind of central of the States here, but it was in the North it was one of those things where it's like he's feuding all these different guys. Killer Khan eventually comes up, got all these different house shows going on. Let's not kill the Golden Goose. And let's say Jake is right and Hogan's getting booed. We cannot have that at all. That's not what we want, especially in the late 80s, especially during the Hogan era. You want no chinks in the armor. You don't want anybody kind of poking that hole in that Titanic in that boat to cause any water coming out. You don't want any sinking of the ship. You want to keep rolling strong. So, it's one of those things where is Jake telling the truth hundred percent? You know that there's some validity to it, of course, but he's saying that he cost, well, the fans cost Jake a lot of money by not having this feud because Hogan's a golden goose. And if you feud with Hogan, and if you're on the top of the card, you're making a ton of money. So the two, however, would meet in Providence, Rhode Island on December 30th, 1987, with some speculation that the footage of Robert's DDT on Hogan that aired in the market to set up the match i don't know and i was not able to find if that was actually true or not but footage has surfaced from the regional broadcast of the wwf's then third tier program wrestling spotlight of that december 30th bout which was between hogan and roberts and they reference the match setup due to the actions that occurred on the snake pit and that the rematch would occur of course like i just mentioned january 29th 1987 and according to a few different things so they don't actually air the snake pit 
but they do air this match and it is seen and you're able to see it. And if you go on YouTube, they only show really the end of the match or the, the kind of the, the final moments of, of the, of the match in Providence, Rhode Island. They, and I have been able to find an actual footage anywhere of the full match, either one of those two. And I haven't been able to find that snake pit either. But if you, if you can find footage of that match, like a few fans have claimed they have, they actually have, them referencing the snake pit they don't show you or, t- or or really get evidence of it but they talk about it and they're saying that's what led to the match so that's kind of an interesting thing if if you think about it because if you're going to do that it's almost like what are you referencing what do you mean snake pit if you're you know you're really paying attention as a fan and you just i guess assume or just you know, with good nature you just think oh i guess jake attacked him and set up his feud and set up this match so I don't know. It's one of those things where I don't know if you can air it, but you got to have the match because they did pump it up and they did say it was coming to Providence and they didn't want to bait and switch the fans and they had sold out the two shows already. So huge crowd. You don't want to hurt those fans in Providence, Rhode Island. Pretty good market for WWF. Really, Northeast is everywhere is a great market for the WWF, especially in the 80s. So on 12-30-86, Hogan defeats Jake the Snake Roberts by a countout. And then in the return match at the Civic Center in Providence, Rhode Island, on 121-1987, Hulk Hogan defeats Jake the Snake Roberts via pinfall. The next match took place between the two on February 28, 1987 in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. While the matches that took place did reference, again, DDT and Jake and how that feud was building. So it's, again, alluding to it, but never showing it. It is also believed that Providence and Winnipeg markets were the only two markets that were showing any sort of footage of Jake and Hogan and really playing up the feud. So it's weird. It was almost like this feud was only in Winnipeg and it was only in Providence because they really didn't air it anywhere else and didn't show it anywhere else and talk about it anywhere else, but three sellouts in a row. And that was like, wow, Jake getting a touch of big money, getting a touch of the main event, getting a touch of being this big man on campus here. He's going to be the big player, going to be the next big heel. And no, they uh, they do not. And that'll be the, the the really the three, the trilogy matches. They don't have another singles match for another five years. So on January 10th, 1987, episode of Superstars, Vince did throw to a promo that had Roberts talking about Hogan and referencing the snake pit incident and mentioning that he beat up Hogan and that they were having these matches. So even on the buildup to the Winnipeg show, they're referencing the snake pit incident, but they only really mention that in the broadcast, if you can find it in Providence and in the Canadian WWF television of the promotion of the Winnipeg match. So very interesting. So the potential snake pit episode that at that's out there that we've been talking about there is some effort for, from fans to track it down and find this missing snake pit episode that hogan um, would appear on and of course hogan would appear on the snake pit several times which we've talked about on the show before but that specific one where jake supposedly ddt's him is missing and missing um kind of forever but anyway let's talk about some appearances of hogan on the snake pit october 12 1986 uh, salisbury maryland a segment aired on wrestling challenge and it features roberts asking hogan if he would turn his back on anyone that he was afraid of and hogan says no and walks off implying that he is not afraid of roberts 
Interesting. Interesting little tease there between those two. The original airing in the United States often did not feature Hogan turning his back on Roberts and walking away. But it's interesting. So depending on certain markets, they did air him walking away and turning his back on Jake. So that's just an interesting thing just to mention as well, because the episode that aired without the entire snake bit in the United States, a fact that was not necessarily realized until the episode was rebroadcast in the UK on WB Classics in the early 2000s. There was much speculation that this was a segment that was even longer and may have contained the missing DDT. So that's very interesting. Some markets showed it, some didn't. We didn't find out until basically 14 years later when the UK was playing the Classics version that there's two different versions of this snake pit. Does it contain the missing DDT? We don't know. Another cool mystery, though. It kind of makes this feud even more intriguing to me. It's like, wow, what a little mystery here going on. So then November 23rd, 87, they had a snake pit that aired from Glens Fall, New York, a segment that aired on Wrestling Challenge. And Hogan, of course, is referencing the Pythons. That is very consistent with Jake Roberts' 2016 story that I talked about before, his remembrance of the events. The segment references Hogan's ongoing feud with Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. So some kind of lead that leaves you to believe that this is not the snake pit in question, but it does end quite abruptly fading to black seemingly in mid conversation, leading others to think that this could be that segment. Additionally, the snake pit that aired kind of, this was obviously prior to the bout in Providence. So was it the, the 10, 12, 86 snake pit in Salisbury, Maryland. Was it the 11, 23, 86 snake pit from Glensville, New York that Jake was referencing? It's kind of a cool little mystery here. We don't know. So on December 10th, 1986 from wrestling challenge in Tucson, Arizona, it would really, they would tape a bunch of episodes here. So they would have four shows that they were taping December 21st, 28th, January 4th, and January 11th of 87. So January 4th, 1987 is the only episode from the set of these tapings that aired without a snake pit segment, leading some people to speculate that this may be the missing snake pit segment that had been filmed with the intention to air the episode, but for reasons that were both stated before, obviously by Hogan, Roberts himself, this theory leads to most timely instance of a snake pit occurring in relation to the Providence, Rhode Island, bouts so there's really three snake pits the october 12th salisbury maryland um, november 23rd 1986 glensville new york and now this one the missing snake pit from january 4th 1987 tucson arizona that could have been the missing snake pit episode not able to find that out if any great fan out there can kind of figure that out or let me know i would love to know that because a lot of fans are kind of clamoring for this information and they just don't know it was never revealed. So I would love to kind of find out, love to know, is this the missing snake pit or which one of the three is? And it seems like it definitely happened. What date, where, when, how? I mean, we need to know this stuff, but it's a cool thing to kind of talk about. It's one of those things in wrestling lore. There's no doubt about it. The missing snake pit with the fans chaining DDT and Jake getting over as a baby face, which led to his baby face turn and the end of his heel run with Hogan. Hogan has said that he had a you know obviously very easy style then um there was a very kind of simple trains of thought about how to make his match perfect had to do everything perfect there needed to be 100 percent heel he needed to be 100 percent face he was going to be able to make money with you if you kind of follow the formula different guys obviously different matchups different sizes monsters 
smaller guys, bad, big mouths, whatever it is. It was the Hogan formula, and he had it down, and he knew how to work it. For some reason, he's saying that him and Jake did not fit in any of the, the categories for his formula. They just didn't mesh. He said he tried his best, and Jake tried his best, but he couldn't just dance together. It just didn't feel right. I just didn't want to run this thing out for six months to a year when there were other people like the Macho Man Randy Savage and everybody else that I worked with, and it was so red hot. Me and Jake just didn't work. Hard to argue with Hogan there because he's 100% right. Orndorff, gold, Savage gold, Andre gold, eventually boss man gold. I mean, all these guys are making so much money with him hand over fist. Why risk it with Jake if the DDT incident is true? Don't even risk it. Just have him continue on and turn Jake babyface. Jake said the angle was stopped because people were turning the DDT and Vince didn't want it. They basically said that the machine was made to take care of Hogan. Hogan was the golden goose, and he kind of understood why the feud was ended, but he was pissed that he lost out on millions of dollars working with the Hulkster in the main event. I did mention also 424-1987, Hogan, Jake Roberts, Tito Santana, defeat Butch Reed, King Harley Race, and the Honky Tonk Band. Wrestling Challenge, number 37, Dark Match, New Haven Coliseum, New Haven, Connecticut. That sounds like a freaking awesome match. They were also in Royal Rumble 89 together, which was won by Big John Studd. They were also part of the Hulkamaniacs in Survivor Series 89. When Axe, Smash, Hogan, and Jake the Snake Roberts defeated the Million Dollar Team, Ted DiBiase, Warlord Barbarian, and Zeus. Royal Rumble 91 and 90, both won by the Hulkster. Jake was in that match as well. There is a Saturday Night's Main Event number 29, a 20-man Battle Royal that was won by Mr. Perfect on 4-15-91 that Hogan and Jake were both in. And, of course, Royal Rumble 1992, which was won by the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. The last ever one-on-one match between Hulk Hogan and Jake Roberts occurred on two days before that Royal Rumble, 117-1992 house show in Civic Center in Springfield, Mass. Hogan defeats Jake the Snake Roberts. Hogan, interestingly enough, replaces Macho Man Randy Savage, who was supposed to be in the main event that day against Jake. So very interesting. You never really hear that too much, that the gigantic megastar is replacing another star. It's usually you know of, of slightly lesser caliber. So usually Savage replaced Hogan. Now here Hogan had replaced Savage, and he defeats Jake in the main event. Pretty awesome to get that in in, in Salisbury, uh, excuse me, in Springfield, Mass. Another pretty good match on the show. Ric Flair defeats Roddy Piper by countout, and this was the infamous title switch when the Mountie defeats Bret Hart for the Intercontinental title. So interesting show there. Great card. Good stuff. So again, Hogan versus Jake the Stink Roberts. Pretty damn awesome for what it is. Pretty damn awesome for the lore of it. Pretty damn awesome for the aura of it. But it just wasn't meant to be. It's another one of those, like we've said before in the show, the feud that never was. The feud that was meant to be, that never really won. Hogan, of course, goes undefeated against Jake. And Jake ends up turning babyface because of the great reactions he had to beating up the Hulkster. But that would never be seen again. And if anybody out there can find the missing snake bit or has any information about it, please... You can message me on Twitter or Instagram at Two Man Power Trip or go to my website, tmptempire.com, and check it out there. Another plug for you check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. So, Jake the Snake Roberts and Hulk Hogan, what a feud that it could have been if maybe, if it's true, if maybe Jake wasn't so damn over. But thank you, everybody 
for listening. We'll see you right back here next week for the Hogan Era Podcast. See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother. He looks in the mirror so Andre could get a shot. Yeah, I'm sure. And now Jake the Snake Roberts in the Snake Pit. You know, at this time, we know we're just a short time away. Like Sands going through an hourglass Time's running out for a few. One is Honky Tonk Man. Honky Tonk on March 29th, my man. I'm very patient, but I'm going to take mine out on you. You see, the difference between you and I is you're a tail shaker and I'm a bone breaker. Born, sealed, and delivered the day I was born. Now, also on March 29th, I like to think of something happening, something going down, such as two worlds colliding. It's going to be unbelievable. It's something that this man, my next guest, has never faced. For the first time in his life, Hulk Hogan is going to be facing overwhelming odds. Come on in, champ. You know, for the first time in your life, man, the odds makers, the odds makers ain't picking you to do it. You know what I'm saying? You understand? They're saying you ain't gonna come out on top this time. Well, you know, I know what a whole lot of people are saying, Jake. Snake Man, and I know what the odds makers are saying. But that don't really matter to me what a whole lot of people are saying. But he's so big and so strong, man. Well, you know what the mistake is, my man? The belt that you got in your hand right there. That's for a man that hasn't done it yet, man. This is where it's at right here. This is what's happening. He's gonna defame this belt, beat me one, two, three, before he can wear that man. And I doubt seriously at this point in time that's gonna happen, man. Yeah, but the president, well, you gotta admit, man, this is strange for me to be saying and it's strange for a lot of people to accept, has went so far as to make a special belt that will fit Andre the Giant. They've never made a belt for nobody else. They didn't make it for Bundy. They didn't make it for anybody. But they don't think you're gonna do it, man. I'm telling you, that's what everybody's saying. <laughs> Well, you know, I can understand that, man. I can understand the non-believers that haven't been Hulkamaniacs for three long years, that haven't felt every kick, every punch, every body slam. I can understand it. I can comprehend it. Seeing seven foot four, 550-pound Andre the Giant, I can understand how the whole world, maybe some of the non-believers, might think that this is the most dangerous threat to the world heavyweight title. But they don't know the whole story, man. They don't know how it all went down, how Andre the Giant was on the verge of greatness, now he's on the verge of disaster with Bobby the Weasel Heenan, and they don't know the man like we all do. But you gotta admit, Hulk, feel of that. There's a lot of gold there, brother. And there's a lot of people. I'm not saying I'm one because I keep my own thoughts to myself. But there's a lot of people sitting out there 
And there's a lot of people sitting on their cans at home and saying, you know, you're out here talking about it, vitamins and prayers and teach your children that maybe that's just a spare tire in your life, that it's not the steering wheel. And all I'm saying to you is this, March 29th, when worlds collide, we're going to find out who the real champion is. Well, you know, first things first, you can take this back because I don't need it. Oh yeah, it's a huge belt, man. It's a huge belt for a huge man. Probably 70 inch girth around his waist. And oh yeah, seven foot four, 550 pounds, man. He's a monster, no doubt. But you know, he doesn't have what it takes to carry the whole load, man. To be the world's heavyweight champion, you've got to live this thing, man. You've got to live this 24 hours a day. And the burden that would go on the giant's back he doesn't have enough heart, man. He doesn't have enough guts in here to carry the load. And for all you non-believers out there that just recently jumped on the bandwagon and who may not be full-fledged Hulkamaniacs, you can play with this toy all you want until the 29th, brother. But on that day, go ahead and put it in a box because you're not going to be needing it.